Welcome to the Web3 Music Podcast. I'm Jake Abel, and I'm here to explore the different intersections of music, entertainment, crypto, and NFTs. Each episode, I interview an artist, creator, or builder who's pushing the envelope in music NFTs, artist tooling, community building, and more. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Neon Ox, the premier North American ticketing solution for your next live event. Neon Ox is harnessing the power of blockchain and the GET protocol to change the events industry for the better, using NFTs on the back end and a familiar, intuitive checkout funnel on the front end. Ticket buyers can purchase 100% fraud-free tickets without any blockchain knowledge or experience. Neonox provides personal account managers for each client, and their platform has an integrated secondary market to eliminate scams. Event organizers can even factor in a royalty to these sales and get a cut of secondary market action. They also have the ability to include a free NFT with each ticket, so that interested fans can claim their digital collectible after each event, and organizers can see which attendees are interested in Web3. To learn more about Neonox and how they can help improve your ticketing experience, visit neonox.io and mention this podcast on the contact form on their Start Selling page. You can also reach out to the Web3 Music Podcast on social media and we will help you schedule a demo of the platform. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Today I'm talking with Bazooka Zach, an independent artist who is, as far as he and I have discovered on chain, the first live performance musician on the blockchain. His NFT collection, Permanent Dreamscape, showcases him creating live beats in nature with his Ableton push. We talk about this project, how he got into Web3, his history in the music industry, connecting with collectors, views on different music NFT models, and more. I hope you learned something new from today's episode. Here is Bazooka Zach. Did you go to school for music at all? What was your background in music? Yes, so I actually studied uh, wildlife biology all through school. and I took, you know, private lessons from seven years old to 18 or so, you know, so started right. off with piano, moved to saxophone, guitar, and then took audio production in college. So I've always had like some element of formal education involved, but 90% of what I know is just tinkering and, and learning, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've been interested in it for a pretty long time, I guess. When did you start, you know, putting out your own music? Started putting out my own music at 18. Uh, got my first microphone for my 18th birthday and Ableton and just started diving in, man. And I've definitely put in 10,000 hours over the past 13 years. And I think that's really the instrument I play. Like I can pick up a guitar and and do some stuff or do some chords on the piano, but I feel like my instrument is Ableton. Uh huh. That's pretty cool. And then I know you use you know the the some hardware as well. So how did you know how do those go together and how'd you get into that? Yeah, so I'm using Ableton Push, which is just the sickest delivery mechanism for Ableton tracks. You can just do all types of cuts and effects and i really fell in love with the finger drumming aspect of it and you've got beat repeat settings and you can just uh, sync it you know automatically with your session it's just an extension of the ableton session super low learning curve um if you know what you're doing on ableton so i love that thing man that started to that got me some recognition from Ableton. They started resharing my videos and stuff once I got better at the push, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So Ableton and and using the push is that all all self taught? Yeah, 
cool. Yeah, I actually went to school for Pro Tools, and uh, they teach you how to like record a band that comes through your studio or record a concert choir at the local auditorium. You learn like very practical skills as a producer, but I'm just like an avant-garde, multi-genre, exploratory producer. So like 10% of what I learned in the three years of audio production school were like something that I can use. It's funny, man. You, you really got to find your own style and your own process. It's so important. And the way you get there is just through tinkering. You yeah. Know, just be, yeah, just be um, curious and just go explore. So the music you make now, are you making like mostly your own music or are you producing for other artists as well? So I don't produce for other artists much. Um, I put out a track um, maybe two weeks ago uh, with an artist Spectrum in Las Vegas. He's a rapper and I really love his stuff. So I gave him a track. And other than that, I'm just, it's not my thing. Um, what happens is I guess I like having control of my discography and I've made the mistake before of just like, Hey, I got, you know, we're working on an album. Can we get a beat? And then just charging people and kind of giving out beats. But then you've got your name all over the internet with stuff that doesn't reflect you necessarily. Um, so usually if I sell somebody a beat, I'm, I'm actually like, Hey, you got to keep my name off it, but feel free to use this. And then what I'm actually working on besides my own creative endeavors and just getting uh, better at writing songs in my style is collaborating with people who make like video games and motion graphic loops, podcasts, different types of multimedia that aren't like album oriented. So I just did some video game music for uh, the guys at Gemini and Nifty Gateway had like a little video game they put out for their um, Awkward Astronaut NFT. And I did the music for that. It was a project called Asura that was like a Japanese anime NFT thing and did some music for that. And then we've got some motion graphic loops coming out, hopefully by the end of this year with a few artists I really love. So that's cool. the kind of work I'm doing with other people right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. How'd you get into, you know, that type of collaboration? Just seemed like a good idea, man. Um, moving into the web three model of, of artistry and getting so sucked into crypto. So I, I bought a bunch of Bitcoin and Ethereum in like 2017 during the first cycle peak. Um, you know, my brother was doing really well and kind of told me to get in and I did. And then really just learned an immense amount during COVID, during the first lockdown. I just went so deep because obviously the state was crumbling and failing and you're watching all these interesting things happen worldwide that are alarming, thinking about the future of the world and how the state works, etc. And it was just something that inspired me to learn a ton more about crypto and the different utility, the different utilities that it can provide. And then obviously uh, NFTs coming around. That was super exciting for artists. Um, where was I going with that? What was your question? 
I think, you know, you sort of had a good tangent there into, you know, how you got into Web3. Um, so, yeah, you know, going down the crypto rabbit hole, you discover NFTs. How did you what did you do to, you know, teach yourself about, you know, different NFT use cases and how artists and musicians started using it? Yeah. So I really got hit with the information. You know, I was already very bullish Ethereum and Bitcoin and just feeling like they're powerful tools and can help maybe stabilize um, some economies across the world, even if it's just online or for artists, et cetera. And I, yeah, fuck Render, the digital artist. I follow him because he's done six, five or six of my album covers over the year. And he is just an incredible artist and visionary. I'm super into his style and his presentation. So I, have been following him and I noticed he was starting to sell NFTs and was having tremendous success. So we looked into it and it seemed easy enough, but obviously the community aspect is the hardest part. It's really easy to make an NFT, right? But right. To, yeah. to make one with staying power and community, that's the real challenge. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but I just, yeah, took wing and made my own series. I listened to shows like Bankless, and I have a whole slew of YouTube channels I follow, and now I'm following you as well. Uh, I just love listening to podcasts and learning as much as I can, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's how I learned a lot, you know, when I, you know, initially got interested in the whole space. And I think it's a great way to learn. I mean, I think the open format of podcasts really lets people who are building and creating sort of, you know, express themselves fully. Also, you know, YouTube and reading random articles and stuff like that but yeah that was you know that was the inspiration behind this podcast so i'm, I'm you know glad you appreciate it and yeah i'm just trying to put content out there to help you know help people learn um were there yeah. any like specific communities that you were involved in like music related or otherwise that you know helped in that onboarding journey unfortunately no and i think that was full in its own right i've been a part of many communities through time and mostly like performance groups had lots of bands and performance groups and little things in Reno, like a producer's social event where people would meet at this nightclub in the day, kind of before it opened and test all their tracks on speakers and everybody would give their, their feedback to each other. And that was really helpful when I was starting to perform and do bigger shows. Um, when I went full electronic, I booked some shows with like Toki Monster and the Desert Dwellers and um some cool acts out here pretty quick and it put the pressure on because i felt like my tracks were not hitting that hard but i had some big shows coming up so went to things like the producer social and networked out here to just learn and connect as much as i could but not having a community when the shutdown happened and when crypto really started it's it's next cycle it's boom and when nfts kind of entered the discussion i was pretty much a lone wolf at the time just living out in like a small desert town outside of lake tahoe and just not really going to shows um just working on producing and laying low so i kind of used that chance to pave my own path because everybody else around me just didn't give a shit about this new thing 
um, and they like the old way. They like partying and going to nightclubs and stuff, but I'm getting to a stage in my career where that's not as thrilling to me anymore. You know, you play two, 300 shows and then your 301st show, you're kind of like, all right, man, like we've done this. <laughs> What's next? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you've been through sort of the whole cycle of, you know, trying to promote your music through playing shows and opening for other people and, and getting involved in the local scene. And then what Web3 just, you know, sort of was a new experience and a new way to, uh, you know, dive into your own music. Is that a... Pretty exactly good. yeah and the i never had never had tremendous success in any model but i felt like the web 2 model had failed me um it just the way that i am it like didn't connect with me fully this like i don't know the streaming and the endless touring we've we've lost multiple friends who uh toured into early graves you know and i've kind of seen that that's not the glamorous life it looks like um you know people like charles the first who we recently lost if you're familiar with him like yeah he was a friend and um i always used to say he was my absolute favorite producer like if i could pick one producer to sit in a room with and just stare over their shoulder for a week it was him and uh you know so and he became a friend he's a local dude in this area as well and losing him was like one of the last nails in the coffin of like, okay, I need to stop chasing this model of success because clearly the people who get there aren't aren't that happy, you know? And then I see this like Web3 model of people doing uh, more work from home, more creative stuff, more networking, you know, make a beat and then license it out for a video game, a podcast, an NFT, and that's just so exciting to me. So not really achieving the caliber of success I was hoping for in Web 2 um, kind of gave me permission to start over in Web 3, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that touches on like a lot of good sort of core values of the space in terms of like creative freedom and being independent and, you know, using Web 3 as just another tool to release music in a way that isn't tied to all these legacy structures that aren't really serving the artists who are creating all the value at the center of it exactly dude less middlemen uh, more direct value creation working directly with fans and collectors right all that stuff is badass and yeah whether i achieve a high level of success here or not doesn't i mean it would be great but at the same time you're here as a supporter as well Yes, I'm a creator, but I get to hold NFTs for artists I love and participate and push them forward. So collectively, it just feels like a really healthy place to be in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the collective and like supportive mindset of like the whole space is is something that's been like you know really encouraging. It the the deeper I get into everything. Um, so are you are you full time in music or are you uh, you know have other jobs? Yeah, I've been full-time in music. I've had years where that's all I've done. And I just accepted a job with the Nevada Division of Environmental Protection last week. Um, so I'm going to be like an environmental scientist for the state of Nevada, um, which is super great because that can be my income and my, my focus during the day. 
and then music just becomes a liberating thing after work you know i've made music before i've had several years where that was 90 percent of my income and for me it does start to taint the work um because you're just trying to get paid mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and it's like it gets confusing you, you can lose your way you can compromise too much when i was djing dude i was compromising constantly like oh i'm djing this wedding this day and then tour into these cities and you're not you're barely making time to learn music and to write you're just constantly like regurgitating you know so there's not not a lot coming in but there's a lot going out and i don't like that balance for me producing and writing music is everything that's the one thing I have to keep pure. So having the job is exciting because I can just focus on making the best work I can and taking my time, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Um, I think uh, it's great how Web3 can, you know, give producers like that an opportunity to hone more in on the producing and the writing music for you know music and art's sake as opposed to you know always worrying about touring and uh you know other forms of income that don't necessarily um you know enhance your creative process yeah um so let's get into your your nft project permanent dreamscape um you know tell me tell me about how you came up with the idea for that and what it's all about um and you know how it's been since releasing it yeah permanent dreamscape and that type of electric organic live beat is really my focus and what i want to master in this space um yeah part of this whole era this whole chapter of my life is about doing less better you know so instead of teaching and streaming and doing tutorials and youtube videos and touring and doing uh, private shows and also DJing and playing in a band, you know, things I used to try to do, like 20 uh, mechanisms of output. Um, Now I'm trying to do like two and it's permanent dreamscape and then writing albums. And so in doing less more, doing less better, um, it's it's really giving me the chance to focus in on these live beats in nature. And I don't really see anybody else doing it quite the way I am. So it feels like it's my lane and it's my thing, kind of my torch and something I want <clears throat> to master. And yeah, it's kind of singular in its own way. But essentially, the mission statement is uh, demystifying the electronic experience. So it's taking beats and making them right in front of your eyes, 100% live in nature. So there's no glow sticks or flashing lights or a mob of people bouncing around you. Um, Dude, I have been behind DJs uh, after my set. DJs that millions of people adore who aren't doing a damn thing when they're playing. And, you know, by the 10th time I saw that, I was like, clearly this isn't where i belong because that is not cool for me and it's for me it's all about connecting to music and having a fun creative experience it's not about hype and partying so 
Um, yeah, kind of using Web3 as a tool to create NFTs that allow me to create beats in nature and provide this very authentic create moment to the people who hold those. Yeah, I think you're definitely accomplishing that goal for sure. Um, just like scrolling through the collection on OpenSea, I think it's, it's really cool what you're doing. We were, you know, and we were saying this the other day, it's like the first performance musician you know, on the blockchain, I haven't seen anyone else really doing stuff like that. You see like, you know, music videos or like maybe full live sets turned into like an hour long video NFT. But yeah, no, like the live beat creation and, and uh, you know, way you're doing that live with these videos is is really interesting. Um, how do you Thanks, what's the what's the yeah, for sure. Um, what's the process of, you know, recording the video and audio and creating the NFTs? Yeah, so with this first series, we wanted it to be as stripped down as possible. So we'd like hike into a remote section of the Grand Canyon or like climb up to some waterfall in the Sierra Nevadas or something. So we didn't want to have like a big, uh, a bunch of gear. And that would also take away from like the mission and the purity of the process. Um, to have like a huge camera crew in this big thing like the whole idea was just to keep it simple and straightforward so we just used the iphone got a new iphone and uh we put some on a gimbal uh, my girlfriend's got a really steady hand so we just go hiking and exploring and then we just find a great spot to hang out and then pop out the beat pad she'd pop out the phone and then i'd write about a minute of a beat some some amount of bars that would loop around a minute and create these like perfect insular loops so you know essentially the beat is eternal it just keeps repeating and then yeah so you record directly into ableton you're recording your midi information directly into ableton and then from there all i had to do was put in some audio of the location so while while she's filming you're you're hearing the beat come out but it sounds like shit it's like right no no bass or anything we're just on the computer speakers um but we'd always like record a little bit of the the ambient sound of the area so if we're at a cool waterfall we'll just meditate for a minute and like let the camera run so we have like waterfall sounds from that location then we've got the midi recorded on location and then all you do is overlay them in ableton and then fucking master it compress it and you're done yeah cool um that's an interesting process that's pretty sweet um as far as like the locations go were you like intentionally picking out different locations to record or these were like trips you were already on how did how did that part of it work yeah both you know we we were just traveling a lot um we both lost our jobs when when covid hit uh we we're we're biologists on a project in the Mojave Desert, which is like, um, we were north of Las Vegas, kind of in Red Rock Conservation Area. And yeah, when COVID hit, we just kind of didn't get invited back to work and had this long period of, you know, finding new things like crypto and going deeper into music production again and having all these like changes happen. And we had a lot of free time, had saved up some money so we were really just trying to get out and obviously creating space. Um, we didn't know how serious COVID was at the time, but 
we would just look around our area and go, where are some beautiful spots around here? We want to go hang out and started that way. And you, you try to find a spot that you both want to go and somewhere with like an iconic Vista or something that will look great. Um, sweet, man. That's awesome. I mean, the, as far as the locations you have on that first collection, they're definitely all, uh, you know, beautiful locations, great, great scenery. Um, it's cool. I mean, it, it really blends like music and nature in a really interesting way that, you know, I think is what you were trying to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see. Um, Thanks, man. So that was your first collection. Have you, have you thought about doing any other NFT releases? That's your only project out right now. Is that right? Yeah, I have thought quite a bit about doing a few more, but part of the problem is I didn't sell out that first collection. So I'm, I want to do something that honors the people who did buy them. So like, I, you know, trying to find the path forward that is, that works best for everybody. Because obviously if I put out a thousand other ones, you know, it would probably devalue those. Um, so yeah, thinking about like price points and stuff is really interesting here. I charged like a quarter of an ETH for a one of one NFT, which I felt was super fair because to to write that beat, to plan the trip, to you know get to the Grand Canyon, perform the beat, record it all, like drive home, edit, like that's a couple days of work, you know. So I was like, all right, a quarter of an ETH sounds fair. Um, but I did that when ETH was cheap and then it like quickly went to $4,800. And then I realized I was charging like $1,200 in NFT, which is not really the price point I had in mind. Um, but I never changed it. So, you know, unfortunately people kind of bought the top from me and then other people have bought the bottom. But my hope is that these aren't some like insane investment strategy but it's people who just genuinely resonate with the art like you would buy a cool piece of art for your wall you know this isn't a board ape or whatever it's not i have no intention of getting these to six figures i guess there's a chance in the universe that uh somebody recognizes that these are the first performance nfts if they truly are i mean i have been digging and i have not found anything like what I've put together still, and I put them out like last March. It must have been over a year and a half ago. I can recheck the date, but um, yeah, so it's like March 2021, I think. And, you know, so there's a chance that the there's a historic value because it is the first of its kind, which would be great for my holders. I hope that happens. But other than that, just think of it like you're buying a cool piece of art for your wall um and one day i think a lot of people will have digital frames in their offices and they'll cycle between different things they own and just having like a cool beat in front of a waterfall and you can like mute it or you can turn it up and show people the beat i think that's just a cool piece of living art for your space yeah totally agree um you know that goes back to sort of blending the nature and the scenery with the music um but yeah, I think, you know, eventually, you know, digital screens like that and displaying digital art will definitely be more common. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Have you uh, with the people that have collected these, have you 
engage much with them since they since they purchased the NFTs? Uh, I try to. Some of them are kind of big shots and they're they're busy. Uh, yeah, I saw Cooper uh, bought one of them. Yeah, Cooper Charlie. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I would love to connect with him more and stuff. Um, but he also has a huge collection, and yeah, somebody. The first, the guy who bought two right off the bat, he's like my first collector. Uh, he's an anonymous dude. And I told him, um, anytime you're in my neck of the woods, like come over for dinner, like let's, let's hang out and meet each other. Cause he bought kind of at the top and he picked up two. And at the moment it just meant a lot. Like, damn, this might work. This is really exciting. Um, but he's like, nah, I don't do in real life stuff. Thanks anyways, man. Appreciate it. So he just wanted to pick them up because he thought they were cool. And he's just like, all right, stay out of my inbox now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if this does catch on, because I'm going to keep doing this, like this is going to be my life's work is to master this craft and working as an environmental scientist and working as a producer and then making this NFT series that is like art in nature. This is kind of my life's work. So I intend to do this till the wheels come off and just be the best at this thing you know i've got this narrow lane i've like cut out all the crap that i wasn't good at and it's just like focus grind learn as much as i can keep creating and ideally you know i can keep making series of these and then have a few dozen collectors and then maybe create a discord at that point if things were going well but definitely create relationships with these people like and offer them cool shit. So I'm also like an illustrator. Um, so I like drew this recently. So this is kind of like that art and technology junction again. Yeah, cool. Um, but I make like pieces of art and something I definitely would want to do is like make a bunch of prints of these and then get all of my collector's addresses and send everybody free prints and things like that. And then not even have a shop for these, like exclusively for people who like have supported my art, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's, you know, just tying more, more utility into, you know, the collecting of, of music as just art, which I think is, you know, a cool thing that the technology really enables. Yeah. Um, music as art. That's, that's exactly it, dude. And I think people sometimes focus too much on the utility which I think the utility is going to be huge for, you know, smart contracts, Ethereum, all of that utility is the driving narrative. But I will say some of my favorite art that I own, it's just because it's art. Like, I don't care what it does. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm buying the narrative. So, you know, Drifter Shoots? Yeah, yeah, he's got it. Where my bands go? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, he went on a long rant, you know, earlier this year about like the art is the utility. And he's like, these pictures give you no utility. It's like, it's art. And I hope you like it, but don't expect me to fucking create a metaverse for you to click around in now. And I just really appreciate that. Like, just, you don't have to do it all. And I'm so happy some people are going super hard in utility. But for me, it's it's not the priority yet. 
maybe that will happen one day but right now the the priority is just mastering the craft and art is the focus yeah sure um i think you know you see all these projects focusing so much on utility and and you know even people that are releasing art you know they're they're are collectors who seem to want like, all right, well, where can I see this art of the metaverse? Or what does this art get me on like an exclusive website or something? So do you think there's like pressure from an artistic standpoint to add utility? Dude, hugely. I actually got off a call with somebody about a month ago when he when he learned that I like didn't want to add a ton of utility to my project. And he was so psyched. He's like, dude, we're going to do all this shit with your art. He was so fired up. We did a long talk. And by the end of the talk, I was just like, yeah, for me, that's not the priority right now. Um, there's enough going on that I don't want to have all these coupons and things. It's just like, dude, people got enough going on. I'm a small, small fish in a big pond. Like, I just want to focus on grinding. I don't want to focus on like, and to come to my rooftop bash every New Year's Eve. And it's like, they don't want to come to my New Year's bash. There's going to be way cooler shit. So if I'm going to do it, it better be good. So I don't want to half-ass something or like. But here's another point I will add is like, if you collect my NFTs, like you're a part of my circle now. Like you're you're officially a homie. And like. All kinds of stuff will happen, but I'm not going to write it in a contract. Like, that's how friendships work, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, by definitely. doing this podcast, you get one venison meal once a month on um, Tuesdays. It's like, no, but if we're friends and you're in the area, it's like, come by, bro. We're going to cook up some fresh venison and you're officially a homie. Um, the nature of my art is their small batch, one of one NFTs. And even if I have an insanely productive year, I might only make 10, 12 of those, you know? So it's like, yeah, you're a homie, you're in, you got my DM, you got my number, and like we're for officially on the same team, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, I think, you know, how do you think that compares to, you know, the Web2 model of connecting with fans versus like in Web3 connecting with like collectors? Yeah. Well, it's just cool that you have this direct line to them. You know, buying a CD is just not special at all, but like having a a one of one moment from your artist that only you hold just feels so special and cool. And yeah, there's just the hope too. If you really believe in an artist and you pick up their NFT, you can think of it more like an investment strategy as well, which I really appreciate. Um, as an artist, you know, you don't want to think about yourself as a stock, obviously, because that will kill art. But you have to acknowledge that as a collector. So I've got a bunch of fuck render stuff. He's like my favorite digital artist. And I'm like betting that he's going to do big things and that that will be worth more one day. So we we have some that I plan to hold forever. And I have other ones that I plan on letting letting one or two go. Um, if the number's right and it's a way to share the success with the creator right so the collector creator experience is totally a shared uh vision which i think is so dope that you can create value for your fans it's unbelievable yeah it, it's it's awesome it's uh you know that sort of goes 
that's like the ethos of the space really is the direct connection and and you know shared um you know shared value that that you know nfts and web3 are enabling that sort of two-way transactional relationship that you know wasn't really possible in web2 you buy some you know you buy some merch from uh you know let's say you buy some merch from an artist you like or you buy their vinyl or you know you're listening to their music on spotify there's still some middlemen and there's not really direct communication like maybe you get someone's email but you know the no one's really coordinating like you know if, if you're in my city hit me up through email but um yeah i think it's cool how how web3 and nfts can enhance that relationship and i think i think you explained it really well it's it's the direct line of value and communication that you know when i buy your nft it's like i'm clicking mint on like whatever site you put it on and that eth is going directly to you and the nft is going directly to me and um yeah and then it ties into the it ties into the investment aspect as well so if you really believe in an artist and what they're putting out and you buy their work early you know there's always that chance that it's going to be more valuable in the future um yeah and it's about it's all of that and it's also just showing what you believe is valuable putting your money where your mouth is you know so hopefully people that buy my stuff they're trying to to show to the community through their wallet through their purchases hey this is important like electronic artists do your shit live like show up show us what you're doing you know i think this is important and beautiful and i'm putting my money where my mouth is and now check my wallet here's what i like here's what i think is important you know yeah definitely that's a good point as well it's like the the value signaling of actually transacting on the blockchain you know people can actually see what you're purchasing and what you you know what your values are sort of to an extent through what nfts you hold and and what those artists are up to yeah, um, dude. which is yeah another interesting point yeah and the the direct the direct line from creators and collectors um it's just such a cool thing so you think of music as art say you're a huge radiohead fan um all you could ever get from them for the most part is like a t-shirt a vinyl a concert ticket which is a fleeting moment um although yet a fucking beautiful one um you know and you have these things that just feel kind of mass produced um and just owning a one of one dude like if radiohead puts out an nft and you you get like a one of one that just feels so special every fucking day and that's what i love about this and yeah to show people and also just it comes up in conversation you know what you own what you have so i don't really care if the radiohead thing does anything for me it's like it just puts me in their inner circle and that feels special um you know it's funny i did see an uh a young artist you know guy guy who's like me small fish just getting his career going um but he did an nft that was like you know if you buy this one from me you get backstage passes for life and i was like that's suicide bro like <laughs> what are you doing so things like that to me sound nuts because what if somebody buys that nft and you can't stand them what if it's somebody who's like a total drunk asshole and like now they are backstage at every one of your shows for life like you can't take that away from them that it's an nft you know that's pretty permanent 
So I just feel like artists get greedy. I don't know. This guy, not even calling him greedy, but you could get greedy as an artist and start throwing out all this utility, but you're creating a very permanent piece of blockchain art. Whatever ideas you're having and utility you're providing, in 50 years, you better still be cool with that. And it's like, dude, our moods change with the weather. You got to make sure that you are building a path of sustainability. Um, yeah, tickets for life, backstage tickets for life. Jeez, man. Hope you like that guy. Why is that? <laughs> yeah, I, that's uh, an interesting perspective. I think I haven't totally thought about or heard before because I think, you know, some people think that you can, you know, giving fans an opportunity to purchase like something that something like that is is really cool but at the same time yeah totally like who knows if you're gonna want to keep giving someone access like that 30 years down the line 50 years yeah. down the line whatever it is yeah gotta have a 50 year outlook dude i'm 30 i'll be making music till i'm 80 it's like you gotta have a, a good plan and you gotta not let people down so if somebody buys an nft from you because of the backstage pass thing and what if their career looks like mine, where I toured till the freaking wheels came off for like seven years. And now I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to tour anymore. I just want to focus on being creative. And that's kind of where I'm at. And then what if somebody bought that NFT exclusively because they wanted to be backstage? And now you're like, tour schedule, yeah, I'll do one show uh, a season. It's kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. that's a huge bummer for them and like you are trying to follow your heart and and move with the seasons you're eight you're growing older and wiser and you should be allowed to do that and not feel this like i don't know you gotta free yourself from expectation to create yeah. your best work mm -hmm. yeah i can see how you know having so having collectors that you don't want to let down in that way of like you know you have to keep your promise about all this utility promise can definitely um you know feel like some some pressure that you didn't need to put on yourself before that maybe now is hurting you know the artistic aspect of it um so yeah i, th I think that's a really it's an interesting perspective let me um, add one thing to that too just on the subject um i'm all for being generous as hell and like being creative but you don't need a contract to do that you can um so say you have 12 collectors you know if you're doing something like me you've got one of ones you made like a very special limited batch of hard work nfts and then you have you know a little group where you got those 12 people whether it's twitter your phone instagram you you know them um you can just do cool shit for them all the time. You don't need a contract to be like, um, hey, what, like, okay, Jake, what up, dude? I'm going to be in DC at a show, a surprise show for New Year's Eve. Uh, meet me there, dude. Here's your ticket link. You know, and you didn't sign up for that, but you, you're still going to get things, right? Um, or, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, if you're ever out here in like close to Lake Tahoe, like, give me a ring and I'll show you around and, yeah, I got some prints, like hook you up with some art, like we'll have fun, but you don't necessarily need a contract to provide the utility, right? Um, maybe my utility in 20 years is I've become more of a chef than a producer and I just have like dope meals and it's like, yo, my 24 collectors like come through the spot in Santa Cruz we're cooking up tonight, you know? 
yeah it's just yeah evolving dude just have freedom to evolve and change yeah definitely um yeah i think that's a great outlook on it um because you don't really know where you know these artistic projects are gonna take you in 10 20 you know especially 30 and 50 years so yeah i think that's a good you know that's a smart mentality of like yeah not everything has to be on chain not every every you know utility has to be baked into the project it's more of like you know a community and collector relationship of you know if you're one of the supporters you're part of the community we'll do you know we'll do things here and there but none of it's like set in stone and it's more right. of like you know yeah supporting the art and supporting the artists um, and and none of it is to say this is the right way to do it um i guess my whole point is that i think i just do things differently in general it's like my artistic mind always wants to take the path less traveled and it's manifesting in this way at this point where i see yeah. a lot of people with these a thousand on-chain promises and for them that might be the sickest career move they ever made and they're gonna crush it um and i'm just saying for me that feels like a thousand utilities can be a thousand points of failure so you know if you're promising x y and z you better do those things damn good and you know less is more for me yeah definitely you know everyone's still sort of figuring it out and i think um one of the cool things about the whole space is that you know you can have both of those models and the technology enables the capabilities for you know someone like you to put their music out as performance art and it's mm -hmm. you know the art is the utility and you know you become part of the community but not not as much of it is on chain and there's not as much utility behind it but you know an artist who wants to be like join my web3 fan club and get all these tickets and meet and greets and merch and like right. you know a thousand other things they have that option to you know embrace with the tech that way and that's sick yeah it's cool i think it's cool that you know people can utilize you know utilize it however they want and everyone's sort of still figuring out what I don't know about what the best models are, but just what the different models are and how different models can work for different artists. Dude, and I am not the voice for like um, success or metrics or anything because I can't stand TikTok. Every trend I just think is bullshit. I'm like, I feel like an old crotchety man who's yelling at the kids to get off his lawn. Like I am not hip. I am not with the times. Um, like I just love cool technology, love cool music, but yeah, there's a uh, whatever the trend is now. You can be pretty damn sure I don't get it, and I'm not involved. <laughs> and then, so yeah, I'm not here to say what's gonna work because I'd be like, "You're gonna do that dance on TikTok? That's that's dumb as hell. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense." And it's like 50 million views later, and an endorsement by Nike. And you're like, All right, well. I don't know it's cool <laughs> right yeah there's you know a lot of different ways to get your music out there and, and you know not all of them are for everyone but um i think i think and i've heard this from a lot of artists it's all about just being really genuine in your output and you know if you're someone who wants to put out all this utility and provide you know tickets and all these experiences like we were just talking about it's it's a good idea and you can find success if you do it because like you love doing that and you want to provide and you know you want to give back to your fans in that way and it's i think you know it's about 
it's about not doing it as a money grab. It's doing it as like a genuine form of artistic expression or, or community building or however you want to do it. It's, I feel like I've heard this from so many people. It's just be genuine and like tell your story and like Mm -hmm. get people to connect with you because if you're doing it for the money, it's not going to work out. But if you're doing it because, you know, you think that's the right way to engage your fans or collectors or the web three space in general, that's where you're going to find success. Dude, that's exactly it. And I guess, yeah, after all this, you know, chatting, it's like my, to summarize, you know, my point, it's just like, do, do what feels good to you as an artist. Don't feel pressured to do anything because it's popular or because you feel that you have to do it. Um, Just do the things that artistically feel super in alignment with who you are, what you're trying to create. And just remember like the very core of what you're doing is the art, right? And it's like, start there, make that as good as you can, put all your energy into that. Then you're building community, start there, put your energy into that. And then if you're getting great utility ideas, like go for it, just think long-term because the blockchain is eternal and we are fleeting biological creatures. So just make sure you're, you're making promises you can keep and uh, get creative, you know, don't just copy and paste somebody else's utility structure. Think of, you know, who you are as an artist and what you have to bring. So. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I think that's a great message for, you know, any artists who are looking to, figure you know just figure it out basically everyone is still sort of figuring it out um what about as far as like you know getting your story out there and and trying to find new collectors or engage with new people like i know you know the art is at the core of it but you still have to just like in the web to you know traditional traditional music industry you got to market your work somehow so how do you think how do you think about doing that for you know your music and your nfts yeah, my, my strategy now is just making making videos and sharing them on social media. Um, so I'm, I'm always writing. I'm always on Ableton. Uh, came up with a cool beat th- this weekend. And I'm going to do, I call him, well, do, are you familiar with an artist called The Count? The Count, no. I'm yeah, not. He, he's not in Web3 yet, I don't think. But he does, um, he just hangs out in his studio with sick people like Kiefer and cartoons and, uh, these really rad kind of lo-fi funky hip hop artists, um, non-lyrical, just like instrumental shit. And they just like make beats, but you watch every instrument come in. So you'll have like a minute clip and it'll be like bass, keys, drums, and you'll see everything come in. And it's like this cool one man orchestra in a bedroom studio. And then at the end of a minute, you see a beat, a beat um, top to bottom being built and presented. And it's just super funky and fun. And it's like my favorite way to entertain myself on Instagram is just like scroll through the counts page and just fucking rock. And I'm doing something similar now where I'm just like creating, trying to put a window into my studio and show people how I make my beats. Um, Cause there's obviously all the push components and you can see me playing push, but oftentimes one button on the push is a guitar loop that I played and cut up and then you got a bass loop and a key loop. So you don't see all that stuff when I'm sitting at the Grand Canyon. So this is like a window into the studio 
my next big uh, project for promotion is just like cutting up and making these videos and just sharing like the joy of the creative process with people. And hopefully they're just getting sucked in by how fun it is and just groovy. And that will send them on a path to my Spotify and then to my OpenSea, et cetera. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, that sounds, you know, like something that you could sort of get sucked into watching for hours. So I'll have to check out the count and yeah, I'll definitely, you know, keep up with everything you're posting. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see that stuff. Yeah, um, dude. I think, uh, you know, as we're sort of wrapping up here, um, what, oh, one thing I wanted to ask is, uh, where does Bazooka Zach come from? Where'd you come up with that name? Yeah, I wish there was a good story, dude. I was just making my MySpace when I was 14 or something. No, I was probably 12. And uh, I was listening to Bazooka Tooth by Aesop Rock. And uh, I remember just typing in my name and then like looking over at my iTunes and seeing Bazooka and was like, Bazooka Zach. Yeah, that's cool. And then it just stuck. And then people started calling me Bazooka in middle school. And then I just stuck with it. I like that the letters of Zach are contained within Bazooka. Um, and I got, yeah, my, my best friend here in Reno, who's also a producer, who's absolutely insane, just like off the charts talented. His name is Enigma Beats, and he gets that from, his last name is Ang. So E-N-G, so you've got like Enigma. Ang is contained within Enigma. Zach is contained within Bazooka. I like those, um, like playing with words like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's a great name. I think it, you know, I think it flows pretty good. Um, My music's have... pretty chill for such an aggressive thing <laughs> now, though. Yeah, Dude, but I... before, before all this, though, I was in a rock band, and our number one influence was Mars Volta. If you're familiar with them, like, super heavy, wild-ass psychedelic rock. And I did that for all through college and uh, high school. And yeah, then it kind of fell in love with the electronics and things got more and more mellow over time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so before we, uh, before we wrap up here, is there anything you're working on right now or anything that you have coming up in the future that you would want, that you would want people to hear about when we put this out? Yeah, just just the two things, you know, so <clears throat> I'm working on the next wave of NFTs. I'm just trying to take the permanent dreamscape model and just m refine it and just make it better and better and better. Uh, my friend got a 360 cam, which is like a pretty cool tool if you've seen any of those in action. Um, little camera, too, so it still fits our whole um, mission statement. But we we just shot like our first demo video. Um, think about launching another series and just up the production value a little bit. And then the obvious thing is the beats are going to be way more banging. Some of those beats I programmed two years ago. And I've been on Ableton every day for 700 days since then. So we've got, you know, production quality going up on the video. Beats are way more banging on the audio. So that's next wave, just always working on refining, growing and progressing there. And then, yeah, you got some in-studio videos. I'm excited to start piecing together to show people the whole creative process because I do play 
guitar, bass, drums, sing, keys. So like, it's cool to, to show it all come together and um, kind of show people that all electronic artists aren't just like laptop DJs, you know, like it's good to, to show people the process. And so, yeah, work in studio stuff, working on leveling up the nature beats and then always kind of doing a little songwriting. I'm, I'm trying to slow down. I put out two albums uh, last month, um, 18 tracks with vocals, and I want to continue songwriting and just really take my time with it, slow down and just try to write songs that you want to hear 10 years from now, you know? Yeah. Um, that's dope, man. Uh, you know, good luck with everything. I'm excited to, you know, keep in touch with it and, uh, you know, I, th I think that's really I think it's a really interesting project, you know, demystifying the electronic music production experience. Um, yeah. For, you know, first performance musician on the blockchain. It's 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 cool, man. I think it's, you know, just another interesting use case that, you know, Web3 enables someone like you to be putting out putting out your music in this way. So, um, you know, thanks again for for taking the time to talk with me and, and I'm excited to follow along. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I just think what you're doing with the uh, Web3 Music podcast is just really brilliant because we are underrepresented. It's a brand new space. So you've really carved out a cool um, space for yourself to succeed and learn and share people's stories. So keep it up, dude. Excited to listen to the show and see who you have on in the future. All right. Cool, man. I, I appreciate that. I really do. That's that's why I'm doing it. So thanks again. Nice. All right, bro. Great to meet you. And All right. See you around. Yeah, you too. Hope I do. And if, and if you're ever in Tahoe, come cash in on some utility and we'll, we'll vibe <laughs> at the beach. Yeah, for sure. I will. All right, bro. All right, man. Peace. See ya. All right. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check the links in the show notes to find and support Bazooka Zach. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. It really helps me out. You can also follow along on social media at the Web3 Music Pod on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with new episodes and announcements. And tune in next week to hear a conversation with Brenna and Psycho from UniDAO, a local-oriented music festival DAO that's also building a localized music streaming platform.